the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. We just got back from Nashville. Hell of a trip. I love that city. Um, the way that I always think that I love that city, I don't get to be there all that often, but in my mind, I'm like, Nashville's my shit. I love it. And then I'm just like, wait, do I just think that? Is it real? Do I actually feel that way? But the truth is, I do feel that way. It's a great, great city. We had so much fun down there. We had the crew from The Volume with us. Went to do the StarCast event. Just great to get out there and see the fans again, to see some some friends, familiar faces, people I just haven't been able to see in such a long time. It's one of those things that just fills your freaking cup up, you know? Loved it. Got some interviews in the can. If you've been following me on social media, you see the people that I got to sit down with from uh, CJ Perry, Miro, Soraya, and my guest today on this episode of The Sessions. Now, before we get to him, um, we also have a vlog that's going to be coming out with our trip to Nashville. We went and did the damn thing. We got some Nashville hot chicken, whoop, whoop, which literally destroyed me for days. It just was like, so hot. Delicious, though. Um, we got the cowboy boots, the cowboy hat. Amy Dumas, Lita, she came out and hung out with me for a little bit. So that will all be dropping. So if you don't already follow and subscribe over on my YouTube page, go and do that. That's where all of the videos from this weekend will be living. But now we're talking about the podcast. So let's get into it. Uh, this was streaming on Fight TV. This will be up on our YouTube page at some point. But for now, the audio, the gift of audio in your ear holes, the reunion of the ages, me and the American dragon, Brian Danielson got to hang out. It was so much fun. Just having like a big crowd there. And you guys were great. Quite a few people seemed to turn up for this. So thank you for that. Uh, much appreciated. Um, everybody wants to see Brian, right? He's like literally the best wrestler in the world. So the guy's a draw, brother. Thanks for the house. Let's get into it, guys. This is Brian Danielson. How are you feeling? What's going on with you? 
Uh, I mean, not a lot, you know? Nothing's going on. I, uh, I feel great. I hopefully look great. You look great. He looks great. Everybody give it up. He looks great. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was just hoping for that. Just baiting, just baiting people to just tell me I look well, good. Well, I had to make up for the fact that I emasculated you before we walked she out. She did here, so emasculate me side. before we come out to this podcast. It's a strategy she has. I feel like she did that on Talking Smack, too. I did not. Okay. Talking Smack. Okay. I loved doing Talking Smack, and I get oh. asked about Talking Smack all the time. It was one of those like moments in my career where I was like, oh my God, this is the thing that I love doing. We weren't scripted, Wild West. We just got to like fuck around. Did you- Can we say- We can swear here, yeah? Yeah. Do it. No. Come on. No, A little I've bit? got kids. They're not going to listen. They might fucking listen to this thing. And I, <laughs> my little boy is going to fuck somebody up and I don't know. It's just going to be- what is your memory of doing Talking Smack? So I enjoyed it in the sense of sometimes I was trying to get fired, like bringing up fisting yeah. on, uh, on, on Talking Smack. I was the trying hog. To, the hog. Oh, God, I forgot about the hog. Doing a whole bit for weeks on end. And when they told me after I'd done it the first time, don't talk about James Ellsworth having a huge hog. Uh... <laughs> And I would just bring it up constantly because I was so frustrated at not being cleared to wrestle that I was just, I was ready to go. And also sometimes they would bring me to TV just to do Talking Smack. It was a hit television show. Of course they did. It wasn't so hit that they <laughs> kept it going. So Yeah, I mean, so, it lives yeah. on now. Not to what we were doing, but it does still kind of exist to a degree. What do you mean? It's a, still a show. We're Talking just not Smack on it. Talking Smack is a show? It is, right? No. I think it is. Nah. They do like Raw Talk and Talking Smack. It's much different from what you and I were doing. Oh, okay. Now it's like a polished in a studio show. Oh, okay. We were like, we had like no backdrop. We had like nobody's, Rhino was coming in dressed as Santa Claus and shit. Like we. Nobody's accusing AJ Styles of being a flat earther. <laughs> is that... Is that not happening on their shows? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where it got kiboshed. Okay, okay. So I always loved doing that show, but yeah, yeah, it was a really interesting time in your career where I was like, well, I'm reaping the benefits of working with a man who like, it's a really special place when you like don't give a shit and you can just have fun. You don't really care what the repercussions are going to be. So I was loving that, but I know for you, it was like definitely a weird part in your career where I was like, what's happening? Yeah, so uh, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed that really made me laugh. We had one episode. It was really, really great. Alexa Bliss is on. Maybe she had just lost a championship or something like that. I don't remember exactly the thing. But I had said something to her, and then she's also like, and the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl. And, but this was on a Tuesday. The Super Bowl was Sunday. That's when they had that great comeback in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And... There was a writer in the back saying, see something about the Patriots. She didn't know what was going on, so she said, and the Patriots lost. I was like, well, great news. <laughs> I'm sure you've missed it, but the Patriots actually won. <laughs> they came back. And she was just so like, ah. Uh. Well, don't that know. was like, that was a very funny the moment Miz on that won, show. The Miz one. I mean, I... the Miz one's kind of the most epic thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, we don't need to, like, harp on this, but what is, like, your recollection of that show in that moment 
when that was all going down with you and Mike? Part of me like doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag, but part of me loves the story. <laughs> Tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. I think I think I think Mike may may have told the story already, so maybe the cat's already out of the bag. The cat left the bag and is in the alley. Let's okay. get to it. So Miz was very frustrated. He was Intercontinental Champion and wasn't being on TV much. I was very frustrated that they weren't clearing me to wrestle despite numerous doctors having cleared me to wrestle. And, and you know, I understand why, but that's a long story anyway. So just oh, getting we'll get to the to point of, of my frustration. So we came up with this thing, and the original plan that Mike and I had come up with was I was going to fucking deck him. We wanted to get under each other's skin so much that it was plausible that I would legit be angry enough to punch him. And so that was the intent. And the idea was either they're going to fire me or it's going to make people want to see the match so much yeah. that they're going to have to clear me to wrestle. But then Mike did such a great job. Intuitively, I felt it was better to walk off. Interesting. And, like, and, and leave him because it was also like, God, this is so good. Leave him with his heat. Right. And it was like. He was like in tears. He had he tears was in his so, eyes. He was so good. He yeah. was magic. Yeah, he was. He was magic. And I think that's the thing. Mike and I don't like each other, legitimately. But Mike is also somebody that I respect a lot for working very, very hard. And so, like, when he was just going off, and I was like, this is so good. It'd be so good if I punched him. But maybe it would resonate more and be better for him if we fought. Right. So that's, that's what happened. So, yeah, and then everybody, including Maurice, was like, what is going on? Yes. Why are... Why is this happening? Remember they cut to me. I'm like, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, not really sure what's happening here. So, yeah. so if you had actually decked him, I might have blacked out because it was so tense oh. sitting between the two of you. And I'm like, oh, something bad's happening here. <laughs> if you had actually physically attacked him, yeah, I would have passed out on the desk. So yeah. I guess thanks for that. But it would have been good television too. It would have been great television. It might have gotten canceled, and I'm, but I might have gotten fired. It would have been... I don't know. There would have been pluses and minuses. Well, the show got canceled and you don't work there anymore anyway. So yeah. here yeah. we are. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Um, okay. What was that last year like for you with WWE? Oh, it was magic. Uh, it, I mean, you laugh thinking that I'm lying, but it's not. Nobody else has said this. I loved wrestling in front of no people. I specifically loved wrestling in the performance center with no noise. Yeah. Because it was like, whoa, this is wild. I remember, like, was it you and AJ did like a two out of three falls match or something like that that was like really yeah, crazy? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of proud of that, but that wasn't, that wasn't what I'm into. Okay. Because there were people there. They had the uh, oh, people the who were trained. Yeah, the NXT people who were like, they're not really cheering like, any, like a crowd would like emotionally, right? So they're just cheering because they're supposed to cheer. And then when it goes to commercial break, we stop. And everybody just stops and everybody just sits down. And then they're like, okay, what are we, yeah. we going to do next, right? And, uh, but I love, like, the performance center with no Thunderdome. Just, like, me and Drew Gulak were just doing, <laughs> yeah. doing wild stuff. I wrestled uh, Claudio, and uh, we were just talking about that the other day. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. then the, um, I was a little bit a part of the creative team. What was that like? Because I remember hearing that, that you were part of the creative team. And, like, how did that come about? And, like, 
even for you to like accept that position, we all know what that position can be like. Yeah. So, Obviously different for you, but. So the pandemic was happening. Somebody in one of my segments, it was right before Bree was about to give birth to our son, Buddy. And it was like a month before that, somebody in one of my segments had gotten COVID. Oh, shit. And they called me and said, hey, you were in a segment with somebody who got COVID. A bunch of people in the segment got COVID. You might have COVID. I tested. I didn't have COVID. But then I said, I'm probably not coming to work. Yeah. I, I requested. I didn't say, like, hey, I'm absolutely not coming to work. I'd say, like, hey, I don't think I should come to work. My wife's pregnant. We yeah. didn't, you know, uh, do soon. And so, so anyways, um, so they were completely fine with that. They were great with that. And then Bruce Pritchard called me and, uh, and said, hey, I know you're gone, but would you like to be a part of the creative team, be a part of the meetings and stuff like that, that they were doing all through Zoom and all that kind of stuff anyways. And I said, yeah. And so uh, I did that. Huh. I, I loved it. Um, I know a lot of people have talked a lot of crap about writers or... Oh, thankless job. Yeah, it's but, a thankless yeah. job. I think there's a lot of smart, fun writers. Absolutely. Um, that I loved working with. Uh, I would always think that too, because like you see those writers and like, obviously they, they have amazing resumes. They are smart, brilliant people. You're just working within certain circumstances, but they're yeah. amazing. And so, and like, there was a, there's a writer, I hope he still works there. I think sometimes, people sometimes reach out to me via text, but I never check my phone. And then I'm like, I have over 3,000 unread text yeah, messages Yeah, I'm pretty sure I texted phone. you months and months ago to do this show and you didn't <laughs> respond to me. <laughs> text, text is a bad way to get a hold of me. I'll text you, yeah, Bree next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, texting Bree is the most efficient way to... <laughs> people uh, do that so, to me too. It's bullshit. People yeah. always message me for John. It's so not fair. Yeah, well, we've got the game figured out. Mm -hmm. You, uh, yeah. So like Ryan Callahan, who was um, one of, if not the lead SmackDown writer at the time, we would talk about SmackDown sometimes on Mondays. He's like, hey, I'd like to run some ideas by you, and we talk. But then we just talk afterwards. I love Ryan. Like, I loved dealing with Bruce Pritchard. Like, I know some people talk bad about Bruce. I love Bruce. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I loved working with the writers. Jen, I forget Jen's. Jen Pepperman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Jen is She's hilarious. Great. I love yeah, Jen. And she won yeah. two Emmys. She's amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so people that want to like talk shit on the writing team, they are very qualified, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well <laughs> they're so you know. not only are they qualified, they're fun people to yeah. be around. If you if you're if you can ex accept that they're not wrestlers, yes. right? Yeah. And they're just like, hey, this is a fun person to talk to. Yeah. Like I find I found, oh uh, God, uh, Kirsch. 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 I knew it was gonna Kirsch. be Kirsch. He, uh, he's the best. He's the best. Yeah, yeah love yeah. Kirsch. Yeah, so many, so many people are just so much fun. So what went, so you had such a great time. You ha, I mean, shit, you look at the career you were able to have at WWE, you got to do so many amazing things. What came down to you deciding to part ways with them? So people think I had two options between WWE and AEW, and the reality is, was that I was considering three options which was WWE, AEW, or just not being a full-time wrestler anymore and just being more of a full-time dad. Yeah. Um, when I told that to Brie with the money that each company was offering me, she, I think she wanted to kill me. She might, she might, have, she might have wanted to kill me. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> so that was, so, uh, but really it came down to a little bit schedule, um, a little bit of creative freedom, and also just this idea of, I had been there for so long. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit new would be fun. I also kind of wanted to bleed. And. <laughs> okay. And. 
So, which is a weird thing to say. Other... Let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what, what is the deal? There is something. So, if you were to ask me to bleed right now, I, in front of however many people we have Call here, me the hard way, you brother. I would say, no thanks. That doesn't sound like fun. You get in front of a thousand people in the moment inside a wrestling ring, bleeding. There's something about it that just makes you feel very alive. Right. It's just. Is like, it like the blood in your eyes, in your mouth? I don't You're know. fighting for your life a I little harder. I don't know what it is. There's just something to it. There's a magic to it that. I would like, like to conduct some kind of cross study on oh, a few of you guys. You should. I mean, you should ask your husband because <laughs> Trust me, I know. he bleeds every match. Comes most home. Of, most of the time, not on purpose. He came home last <laughs> night. I fell asleep early last night, so he slept on the couch to not wake up uh, the dogs and my daughter and all that. And he was like sleeping on the couch and I had his hoodie up and I just like pulled it back to be like, what are we working with here yeah, today? But he was yeah. okay. He's fine. Nothing. Yeah. All good. But yeah, the, the bleeding thing is just this other, I don't understand it, but that's. You do it every month. I, oh, well, <laughs> he's right. Is that? He's right. Wait a second. But. We talked about fisting. We, were, <laughs> we just said fisting. <laughs> There wasn't any, there Ovulation. wasn't a single O. Menstruation. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a natural part. But mine's natural. Mine's not like self-inflicted. Does that make a difference? Yeah, you probably don't enjoy it nearly as much. As <laughs> I don't. Mine I has like side it. symptoms that come with it. I, I'm in a really bad mood. I'm bloated. I'm yeah, hungry. Yeah, I'm upset. Yeah. It's all bad. Yeah. All, all bad. Um, okay, so you wanted to go to AW. You wanted to do this different style. You kind of wanted to just, especially at this, this age, as well to like see what this I don't want to call it like a last run but like really strong years of like kind of being in your prime right mm -hmm. of just kind of figuring out like what else can you do you're a man that is like a wrestler's wrestler was there also I don't know if I like read this somewhere was there an option of you maybe staying with WWE and also doing dates with New Japan yeah I think they were trying to make that work out yeah which it eventually did not work out did not so um which I think is good for everybody. 100%. So, definitely. So, yeah. So, what was the moments like between you leaving WWE and then going to AEW? Well, I took uh, five months off. Yeah. And it was great because I didn't really watch wrestling or think about wrestling for kind of the first time in my life. Um, and I just spent time with my kids and we were in Tahoe and we were hiking and we were just doing... It was amazing. Yeah. Which is why the third option... <laughs> of not going anywhere was very appealing to me. I get it. I get it. When you get to spend time with your kids like that and just kind of step away, and you've already been able to scratch that itch for so mm -hmm. long. I mean, of course, there's things that you want to do and all that, but when you see your kids and you get to hang out with them, I definitely get, like, even times for me, I'm like, should I just hang at home with this baby right now? Because it's really a good time. Yeah. It's lovely. It's yeah. so, so nice. Um, let's go back to when you retired. Okay. What... What all went into, I mean, I know obviously the medical side of things of you having to retire, but having to go out and actually like cut that promo, we were in Washington when you retired as well, mm -hmm. right? Your mom was in the crowd? My mom was in the crowd. A couple of my friends were in the crowd. Uh, yeah, it was weird because um, Vince McMahon had called me on the Saturday. It was a Monday when I came out and gave the speech. He called me on a Saturday and said, we're not going to clear you. I'd like you to announce your retirement on Monday because people at that point, it's getting close to WrestleMania. People are wanting me to come back. I'm wanting to come back. Like, let's just get everything out of the way. Don't give them hope. And uh, 
what better place to do it than in Seattle where you're from, that sort of thing. And at first I was like, oh, I got to think about it. And then I talked to Bree, like they're not going to let me wrestle. I might as well be able to do it in front of my friends and family in the building where my dad last saw me wrestle, yeah. which was like very emotional for me. Um, and so, yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was a really hard day. <laughs> it, was a hard, it was a hard day. So even leading up to that day, though, like having that conversation with Vince and swallowing that pill of like, I've got to walk away from this right now. Like, what were those conversations you were having with yourself, the conversations you were having with Bree, with your family? Like what? I can't imagine somebody saying you can't do this thing you love anymore. Yeah. So it was hard, but it wasn't as hard as it sounds, and it's, uh, especially with how much I love wrestling, because once I did the speech and... I stepped away. I wasn't around wrestling. Yeah. So I started, oh, God. But then we had to film Total Bellas. Jesus. <laughs> okay, that's the part I forgot. Yeah. Okay, so then shortly after this, so I have to give this retirement speech. And then I have to go live in John Cena's house. Woohoo! Like, Take off your shoes. Because, because we're, filming, we're filming Total Bellas. I hate, 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 hate. I don't hate many things. I hate filming reality What do you television. hate the most about it? All of it. It's just like you're constantly changing clothes on mm -hmm. the same day to go film something to pretend like it's a different day. <laughs> this is supposed to be real. Can't I just wear my, my same clothes? And they're like, no, you cannot. Just have a uniform like John, and, white T-shirt and jeans. And I also, it was really hard because, you know, like when you're going through something like Retiring, this thing that you love gets taken away from you. You'd like to be around friends and family. Bree was on the road full time with wrestling. So she was leaving on like Fridays, not coming back till Wednesdays. We'd film Wednesday, Thursday. Ooh. She leaves on Friday. I'm in John Cena's guest house. There's all these rules. I've got the dog. I'd like, it's, it's, it was just like, I love John, right? Yeah. I think John, John's great, but that's not the ideal thing to be in. And then the, they manufacture these arguments Ugh. that sometimes turn into real arguments. <laughs> and then one of the real arguments got real, real. Oh, shit. And then it was like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to be here anymore. So I just left. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. You and John had an argument? No, 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 no. It, it actually started with me and Nicole having an argument uh -oh. about because Bree and I had bought this property. We were going to build a house. I wanted it to be a smaller house. Nicole wanted it to be a bigger house. It's not your house. It's my house. <laughs> then it got into this thing about, oh, gosh. Yeah, so th this. <laughs> Let's roll up our sleeves. Okay. Let's get into it. <laughs> it got into this thing about deserving stuff, right? Oh, shit. About deserving this or deserving that or whatever it is. And my opinion on all of it is that none of us deserve these things that we've gotten. For example... I've met a lot of fantastic wrestlers along the way who never got to where I was purely because of luck, good or bad, good luck on my side, bad luck on their side. When you look at somebody like Nigel McGuinness, right. who in theory, the only reason he wasn't me or more successful because he was honest about tearing his bicep and I lied about concussions and seizures. Yeah. And that wasn't a thing that I went into the doctor. And when, they, when they're asking you these questions, it wasn't like I was thinking like, oh, I got to lie to him about my concussion thing. They ask, and in my, that 
part of your brain that just reacts on instinct that I said, oh, no, you know, I'm good. And like, yeah. and his thing was like, well, I got to tell him about my bicep tear or whatever. And that's the difference between me getting to where I got yeah. and then him never having a match in WWE, yeah. right? So anyways, when we get back to the deserving stuff, somebody deserving a bigger house, when a bigger house is worse for the planet and all that kind of stuff. And Brie and I had talked and that's, didn't even seem to be what she wanted anyways. And then we get into this big thing and then just left. Didn't go to Kathy's wedding, which I feel really bad about. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was bad. Yikes. Yeah. How long did it take for you guys to make up? I mean, you and Nicole are really close. We apologized and had like that day, but it had put me in a mental state where mm. I was. I mean, if there was, if there was ever, that, that's the closest I've ever come to like, okay, this is, yeah. I'm done. Oh my God! With, with all of it, it was. A, I was not ready yeah. for the yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it so. not have that written down? It was not a yeah. question. <laughs> hey, hey, let's talk about the worst day of your <laughs> life. Can we? Can we talk about I mean, that? I one? do like to get people emotional on the show. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't you, get super emotional about it now. No, I, mean, I love my life now. Yeah, you got a great life. I got a great life. Great yeah. life. Hot wife. Cute kids. It's Hot wife. Out. Cute kids. Yeah. Good career. It's good all happening. Career. Um, and not to take away from those amazing, uh, beautiful things, but you mentioned the concussions and the seizures. Um, when you're going through those things, I mean, you were just out uh, recently with injury uh, again. What, what kind of goes into that? What goes into you being medically cleared again? What is like that process? Well, so, so seeing a neurologist, um, and it was interesting, this last one, he said, you know, after you start feeling better, we're gonna have to uh, have a serious talk about your long-term mm -hmm. uh, long health. And I thought what that meant was, after you feel better, I'm gonna talk to you about not wrestling anymore. Okay. And that's, that's kind of where I thought he was going. And then my brain scans came back so goddamn good that, <laughs> that, not a, that not a single person could say anything about, uh, about it. You know, and I think you know, it's interesting because um, I do put a lot of work and effort into keeping my brain healthy and doing things outside of, of normal stuff to yeah. keep my brain healthy. And so, uh, so I think that's paying dividends a little bit. And so... Yeah. Tell me about some of that stuff, though, because, okay, so you have to retire mm -hmm. due to the concussions, due to all these circumstances, and yet you took matters into your own hands. Everyone told you not to wrestle. You went and did your thing. What does that mean? What did well, you do? Well, to say everybody told me not to wrestle, that's a bit of a stretch, because I oh. was cleared. But that was the frustrating part, is that I was cleared by several neurologists, okay. but not the one that mattered most. And then, the, and then there were two neurologists otherwise who wouldn't clear me and so it became like kind of a mixed issue right air on the side of caution type thing um but you know the developments in medicine and science are so much better now and so uh there's a lot of stuff like hyperbaric oxygen therapy and all this kind of stuff that how you know, often do you do that like what is so, that i hear these words and i don't oh, actually know what that is yeah yeah i don't think anybody cares oh okay uh, well but <laughs> I was somewhat interested. <laughs> for those of you who do care, Google it. It's, uh, yeah, it's being placed in uh, uh, like kind of a tube where it's 1.5 atmospheres of pressure, lots of oxygen being flooded into your brain, 
a lot of the military is doing it for people who have had concussions and all that kind of stuff in military things and that sort of thing. But it's not FDA approved yet, so it's not, for example, I mean, all that stuff's a long process. So anyways, yeah. I did that where a uh, hundred sessions of that where I'm in there for an hour and a half each time. That sounds like um, a claustrophobic nightmare. Oh, I love a good uh, uncomfortable claustrophobia. Mm. I think it's a good chance to like really practice Zen and meditation. Um, and that's a real thing. Like. You put me in an That's uncomfortable... That's literally giving me, like, anxiety. I'd have a heart attack. You put me in an uncomfortable position. My first thing is to freak out. And then shortly after that, I'm like, can I stay calm in this position? <laughs> and in most cases, it's yes. In some but there cases, has been a no. Yeah. Uh, so when I was... Before I had my neck surgery in 2014, they were... Um, God, I forget what it's called. The long needles. Oh, the long ones. The like, um, um, yeah. Shit, they were what is doing, that called? They were doing something to alleviate the uh, the pain. What was it? No, not not acupuncture, right? No, 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 no. Not like the like needle, no, 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 needle. Yeah, yeah, no. We're the, talking the good stuff like, here. Uh, epidural style. Yeah, <laughs> epidural style. And so it was like, uh, so they had me. I was face down, and you know they numb up your whole back, so I'm not supposed to feel anything. And then all of a sudden, I got the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. And the needle, this giant needle, had hit the nerve. <gasps> and, uh, and the doctor was like, oh, God. And like, he said, oh, God. And then I, Abort mission. I screamed out, fuck. <laughs> and uh, and then, then they're like, well, we're already here. Do you want us to do it? <laughs> and I was like, do you want us to try again? And I was like, Okay. <laughs> And then, then they finish, and then they come up to me with all these waivers. Oh, and they said, shit. we forgot to have you sign the waiver. <laughs> and I'm great. just trying to, like, like, I'm trying to just, like, not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I signed the waivers. And, uh, and, yeah, finding Zen in that moment, I was not, I was not capable. Oh, that's horrifying. I, yeah. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah, I was already in such a state of panic when I was getting my epidural that I was like, just do whatever you got to do back there. Do whatever you we'll do. We'll get through this. Do whatever it's you all do. going to be fine. Um, okay, so you're in like the hyperbaric chambers. What other things are you doing that help your brain, help your body? I mean, you obviously do a ton of research, a ton of reading. You're a pretty smart guy. What else are you doing? Yeah, so I think um, diet, I think, helps brain function. Um, there's a lot of that that I probably don't want to get into because I don't okay. want to give people the wrong information. I am Fair. not a doctor. Fair. I am not somebody to listen to for advice. You guys all signed the waiver, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think there's some dietary choices that you can make that uh, affect brain health. I also think constant learning is uh, good for neurological circuits in your brain. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's things about like, okay, Cardio, like uh, 30 to 45 minutes of cardio at like 120 beats per minute. Um, this is getting too deep into the stuff, but it helps your brain recover. Oh. So I've never been somebody who's into steady state cardio. I like doing sprint work. I like doing that sort of thing. But apparently the steady state low cardio is good for uh, improving brain function. Interesting. So all of that kind of stuff, you know, just a lot of the stuff on longevity science about uh, staying away from Alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff that you can look up and research now. 
I mean, there's a lot of great information on it that they've advanced in the last 10 years. And even just that, I think also will improve people, people's brain who have had concussion issues. Yeah. And so, so yeah, all that kind of stuff, I think. Uh, but it's also fun to learn new things. It's fun, like I learned how to speed read a couple years ago. And how then, do you learn to speed read? Oh, God. I'd have like a ruler on each line, like trying to just like make the most of it. What do you do? Yeah, some people think of speed reading is skimming, and it's not. So, uh, so I'm at, right now, over 500 words per minute, which is most people on average read 200 words per minute. John F. Kennedy apparently read 1,000 words a minute. So, I mean, there's still room for improvement. <laughs> Where do you gather uh, this intel from? What's that? It's amazing. So it's amazing what you can learn if you read books instead of look at your phone. Right. Sure. I think that that's like a real thing. So yeah, one of the things people ask me about social, like, like, oh, like, you know, when they talk to me about social media, uh, and I, I, especially like some of the younger guys in the locker room who really love social media and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my point of view on it is this, if you're looking to it for, if you had a good match, how good is my match? Let's look at Twitter to see if I was doing a, a PhD in psychology, I wouldn't submit my paper to the people on Twitter to see if it was good. I would ask, I would probably ask my professor. Likewise, just as far as general information, I think most people spend less than five minutes crafting a tweet or mm. Oh, I Instagram. do that all the time. I'm like, oop, where's that edit button? Whoops, a daisy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's not something people have put a ton of thought into, whereas, for example, a, a great nonfiction book. Take Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Oh, yeah. Right? So that guy has spent his entire life learning the history of humanity and put it into one book that you can read in, I don't know. It's takes, a pretty thick book. Yeah. It's so it takes one. me about a week, right? So it might, it, most people, it might take a month. But even just reading, if you spend an hour on Twitter a day, spending an hour on Sapiens, you would get so much more out yeah. of it. Better for your brain. I feel, I actually like, oh, and I staring insist at on screens, like, staring at screens is so bad for your brain yeah. and it's so bad for your like happiness in the idea of like people are less patient now. Yeah. Um, people it's like are the, probably like, serotonin getting impatient. Boost of, like yeah. scrolling. Dopamine. There's a great oh. book called Dopamine. Is it Dopamine, Na not Dopamine serotonin? Nation, um, that came out this year that was really good. Uh, so yeah. There you go, guys. Yeah. This has been our TED Talk. Yeah. You, you, so uh, <laughs> if, if somebody asked me, Somebody asked me, man, I'd like, to, I'd like to know more stuff. Well, get off it's your phone. And it's yeah, all right there. It's all there. It's all right there. Great books. FanDuel has an all-new mobile gaming app, FanDuel Faceoff. FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete in quick, fun games against other real people for real cash. It is all sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a home run derby, wheel of fortune, puzzle and strategy games, with more on the way. Now, contests are action-packed and last between two to five minutes so that you can play on your couch, waiting in line, during a commercial break, wherever, and on your schedule. Plus, you can practice for free anytime. Now, whether it be head-to-head, -head, multiplayer, or larger tournaments, FanDuel Faceoff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you're going to be matched against players of similar skill level so that you're never totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Faceoff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. For me, 
I am a sucker forever and for always for a little Wheel of Fortune. I love me some Wheel of Fortune. So the fact that I can play this on my phone during my commercial breaks, during like, you know, ads that pop up during uh, all of our streaming products and whatnot. This is what I'm doing in my free time. One hundred percent. It just got a huge upgrade. I was playing like boring games before and now I'm in it. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. It's connected to my existing FanDuel fantasy and sportsbook accounts. You guys can keep some tabs on me over there. So visit FanDuel.com slash Sessions Faceoff to download the FanDuel Faceoff app and get in the game. So just visit FanDuel.com slash Sessions Faceoff. Age and location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See www.fanduel.com slash faceoff terms for terms and conditions. Okay, so you are reading, you're learning, you're hyperbaric chambering, all of these great things. You get medically cleared to get back in the ring. When it was announced that you were coming out of retirement, I remember, like, we were in San Antonio, I remember that being like, wait, what the fuck just happened? What was that like on your end? Everyone else was rattled. Oh, it was wild uh, in the sense of... So I was in the Middle East somewhere doing a signing in um, the Bahrain Comic-Con is where I was. Flew to Pittsburgh, uh, did all these evaluations, got cleared by Dr. Maroon, which um, actually made me cry. Flew that night, no, flew the next morning from Pittsburgh to Texas. Slept in, got all these text messages on my phone at like 3 p.m. Where are you? You should be at the building. And, uh, You're booked, bud. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, they kind of let me say whatever I wanted, other, you know, and just saying, You're cleared. Like, you know, I was very lucky in the sense of for a lot of my time, I would collaborate with writers. I wasn't just given a script and said, Hey, say this. Yeah. And, um, and that was really nice. It was fun. So I, so yeah, so that was it. And then, um, let's just like rewind here for a quick second to you having that conversation with Dr. Maroon. It wasn't a conversation. He had already left. (laughs) (laughs) Would he he, leave you a fucking memo? What happened? He did actually write me a very nice note. Dr. Maroon and I have a great relationship and you would think it would be different because he was the, the doctor who wouldn't clear me. But I also knew that he was looking out for my health and the best interest of me. And so, uh, so yeah, I have a, it's really weird because you have these conflicting relationships with people as far as like, he is not clearing me. I desire to be cleared. You'd think we would have conflict, but we don't. We came to an understanding. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like me and Vince. I think it actually made my relationship with Vince McMahon stronger. Yeah. Probably it's talked to him so much more. Yeah. 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 And then like also being clear about why he's, he's not clearing me or all that kind of stuff and then and then when you really talk to people um i think even people who have very different opinions than you for example mayor mayor kane and i have very differing yeah that's a big whoops a daisy yeah (laughs) very very differing um political opinions but when you come to talk to them and like really talk to them i think the differences are like social media aggravates yeah. the differences rather than makes you feel like most of us are pretty similar and most of us want the best for everybody but think may think different things are better because of this or because of that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah no for sure for sure yeah that's been an interesting follow as of late um AEW mm-hmm. the night that you debuted you and Adam Cole same night how did you feel 
being out in front of a new crowd, coming back as the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Uh, it was cool. I mean, just the energy of it was awesome. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was weird, though, because I was in like the, I was in like a trailer, yeah. right? In a trailer, like waiting. And then like sometimes people would come in and sometimes they, they wouldn't. And then, so I was just like, oh, so I go and do this thing. And then all of a sudden I'm meeting all these new people right after. And it was really, <laughs> hey, really yeah. stressful because I'm bad at remembering names. Blackpool Combat Club. Okay. When you, how, like, how did this idea come together for you guys to be working together? It started really with you and John, and then it's obviously branched out to you guys having this amazing group, but starting with you and John. It came about just very organically, and it was just this idea of how do we make me and John's match more interesting when John came back. The original idea was... Uh, okay, you guys get into a confrontation, you're watching the matches, and then, you know, you're like, I want you, or whatever it is. And I was like, what's more interesting is if my original idea to fight him, or was not to fight him, would just be to join him. Well, why do I want to join him? Uh, to make wrestling better. <laughs> well, what else could we do? And then, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, okay, how could I convince him that I'm not just trying to fool him, mm -hmm. that I actually want him to do this thing? So then I cut a promo and saying, like, imagine the world that we could create if, like, you and I team together and we take some young guys and we take them under our wing and we fucking teach them how this, how this, how this business should be, goddammit. And, like, uh, <laughs> and when we got to the back after the thing, John was like, yeah, you were pretty persuasive out there. <laughs> I'm in. And then I think persuasive enough that we just joined, <laughs> we just joined together after we fought. So, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of how it, it, it all came about. And the serendipitous timing of William Regal becoming available for you guys. I mean, the storyline, obviously, I mean, Regal's such a, a, a common thread throughout your entire career. Same with John. Um, and for him to become available to come in and work with you guys. Yeah, he's perfect. God, he's so great. And uh, even without Blackpool Combat Club or whatever, I just like being able to see him every week, yeah. right? Like, yeah. he's, uh, he's more uh, of a mentor to me than most people know. If you want something that's a little on the emotional side, so my dad struggled with alcoholism my entire life. And that's why I've never drank anything like that. And that was something that I always really struggled with. William Regal, because he's struggled with addiction in the past, helped me learn to love my dad without trying to change him. Like just yeah. learn to love him as as he was. Yeah. And um and so that was uh so just being able to be around Darren every week is just like a, it's a real gift. Was that something that was done purposefully or was just something that you were able to kind of make that correlation after spending that much time? No, with, I mean, Darren? Uh, Darren and I talked, he, I, he talked about it because there were times when I was like, you know, I'm trying to, trying to do this for my dad or trying to do that for my dad and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he said, listen, you can't make him want to change, right? Like until he wants to do it himself. And then he and I had these talks and that sort of thing about that sort of thing. And it just really transformed my relationship with my dad. So yeah. the last 10 years of my dad's life, we were so much closer than we were before. And I, you know, there, that's something that you can't, I, I couldn't thank him enough for yeah. that, you know. Tell me more about your relationship with your dad. You guys, what, you guys would go fishing a lot. Obviously you spent lots of time. <laughs> to, <you laughs> so, so my dad was a big hunter, which, okay. uh, which I, I, I struggled with as a kid. We have a great picture of, um, I don't know if they put it in the book or not. I don't remember. 
But there's I think a great you picture. talk about it in the book, but I don't. With there's the fish? A, there's a great picture, yeah, with the fish. So he takes me and my sister fishing. My dad and my sister are both like smiling with this big fish. And there I am crying on the side. <laughs> and it's just like one of those things. I, I've always struggled with the idea of uh, with that sort of thing. But my mom and my dad did a great job of inspiring me to love nature. And that's also, I think, one of the things that's helped me mentally if you talk about things like depression or anything like that um, being able to get outside amongst trees and all that kind of stuff just helps me get back to centered you know and so yeah so we did a lot of like hiking camping that sort of thing Bree has a hard time with uh with the idea of sleeping on the ground in a tent so I don't think we're ever going to take our family on camping trips unless it's just me and probably just Buddy. Because you go Bert, like glamping, maybe. No, that's what she says. She's <laughs> like, I'll be into glamping. I'm like, glamping? What's glamping? And then I was, I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> to be fair, I keep trying to convince John to go camping too, but he doesn't want to sleep on the ground because his body is beat up. It's a different situation, but I, I'm trying. I'm fighting for it. You know, my body feels great. Yeah. Yeah, I could sleep on the ground right now. Well, it's probably like that hard surface helps too a little bit, yeah? No? I don't think so. Don't know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other things did your parents instill in you that are things that you're so conscious of now as a parent? So they got divorced when I was young because of my dad's alcoholism. Like my mom still loved my dad, but it's just better for us. But despite that and probably them having animosity towards each other at different points, they never talked bad about each other, yeah. ever. Yeah. So we were, you know, you see some people whose parents were divorced and the parent might talk bad about the other parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my dad, he would say this to my sister even until the day, like she would say something and complain about her husband to him. But he said, don't throw dirt, right? Yeah. So it's like I always try to, even people I dislike, it doesn't do you any good to talk bad about people, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you don't like somebody, that, meh, that's fine. You know what I mean? But there's no reason to like, oh, this person, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can tell you all that I, I don't like the Miz, but in saying that, like, I'm not going to say he's an asshole. I'm going to say that dude works super hard. Yeah. And so, yeah, so there's, there's just that, those sort of things. My mom... Is such a hard worker. She uh, blew my mind when I was reading your book, hearing about like your mom. Like she busts she's, her ass. She was superwoman. She was superwoman, and not yeah. superwoman. So in the sense of like, um, so when I was going through high school, then all of a sudden my mom and dad got divorced. So she tried getting different jobs or whatever it is. Realized that she wanted to help people. Got her degree in psychology, but while she was going to, she was going to college, the same time I was going to high school. She, like, had to start at, like, math, like, 98, which you don't even get credit for. Yeah. So she was having to start kind of below the stuff you even get credit for. Um, went to college the whole time I was in high school while working two jobs, while also taking my sister and I. We both played sports all the time. So she's, well, and while also making us feel loved and that we weren't, like, some sort of nuisance or anything like that, yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. My mom, my mom was incredible. And then she ended up getting her master's degree, um, has helped a lot of people. And that's amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I mean, as much as like you like rattling those things off, but like, actually, I think I appreciate it so much more as a mom now as a too. Mom, of being yeah. like, Holy Me too. Shit. As, a, as, a, as a dad, as a dad yeah. with two kids, I can't like, you were telling me I, I had to start going to 
college and working two like minimum wage jobs. Oh my god! And then be stressed about finances. Actually, there was uh, one point. I think it was my junior year of high school. Um, my mom collapsed on a walk because she was so stressed, and oh it's just my like, gosh. and but she never wore the stress to mm-hmm. us. She never took the stress out on us. It wasn't like she was ever mean to us. Like, yeah. So I always think that too. Like when I think of like my mom, my parents split when I was really young too. And, um, yeah, I mean, we went, we went camping. We went on these little trips. She was working, you know, a million different jobs, but never did we ever feel that stress or that we didn't like have the things that we needed. And yeah, now being a mom like that, like hindsight is twenty twenty. where I'm like, holy shit. Like the things that she was able to pull off so seamlessly, yeah, and she, she didn't really date either. So it wasn't like, there wasn't like this, uh, so, and I mean, she had to at some times have been lonely and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, she didn't really hey, date or anything. shout out to her parents. Yeah. We love you guys. Yeah. We love yeah. you guys. Um, okay, back to AEW and Blackpool Combat Club. Let's talk about Claudio getting that call. Claudio. Claudio. He was just in so here. Is he still sweet, here? Claudio. So strong. Claudio. <laughs> That's a song we made up years ago about him. It goes like this. If you guys ever want to try to chant it at a show, oh, it goes go. like this. Claudio, so sweet, so strong. Claudio. <laughs> if I'm going to talk bad about one person, I'm going to talk bad about Eddie Kingston. Do you know why? Because Eddie Kingston always talks bad about me. And the only thing that I have to say to that is that he also hates Claudio. So that's probably not a reflection on me. That's a reflection on him. Because who could possibly hate Claudio? How could you hate Claudio? How could you possibly hate Claudio? He's just the best. Was this sort of um, that kind of blessing in disguise in the way of let's get Claudio in here to AEW? It was such a no-brainer for him to become a part of Blackpool Combat Club. What was the conversations that you were having with Tony? This was your idea, Yeah, yeah. I but mean, I, everybody wants to work with Claudio, obviously. It's not <laughs> like it's that far of a fucking stretch. Well, but. for Forbidden Door, when it was very clear that I wasn't going to be ready for Forbidden Door, I called Tony and I was like, hey, I have a, a great idea. Put Claudio in my place. We should sign Claudio. Uh, I, I didn't say we should sign Claudio. I didn't know Claudio was signed. But I said, I'm sure Claudio would just come in to do a spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, Who and wants he, to and be swung? I've talked to his agent. I don't think he's just going to come in and do a spot. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, but just so you know, and don't tell anybody, I've already signed him. So, Oh, so, yeah. he was already there. He was already there. Yeah. Wow. All right. Great. Are we going to expand Blackpool Combat Club? I don't know. Aren't you in control of this thing? What's going on? I'm in control of very little in my life. I don't control <laughs> where I live. I don't control... What I do on a day-to-day basis, I got okay. to control yesterday. yesterday. What'd, you, what'd you do? Nothing. I did nothing. Would you mean like you just like flew in and like were in a hotel room to do nothing? Well, because we live on the West Coast, it didn't make any sense for me to fly from Boston to the West Coast oh, yeah. where my right, kids right, weren't, right. weren't even going to be at the house and then fly back out here on the, on the Friday. So I flew in Thursday and then yesterday I had nothing to do besides work out. So I worked out and then I... We should come over to the Airbnb. I'll pass the baby off to you. Nope. Come on. Nope. Not interested. Nope. Not interested. I love your baby. (laughs) Not interested. No, thank you. Uh, What does this run mean to you? This version of your career, um, you getting to have these matches that you want to have, working with some young talent, uh, being that mind both in the ring and in the locker room, working with Tony. What does this all mean to you right now? I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. You're so weird to interview. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's hard because people ask these questions. What does this mean to you? And it it doesn't mean anything other than being very grateful that I'm able to do it. Because, like, 
I'm able to wrestle the way that I want to wrestle and really enjoying it. I'm getting to work with people that I love being around. I'm getting to interact with people that I've never met before mm-hmm. who have been really fun to interact with. And it's who just been- has caught your attention the most in terms of, not even someone's caught your attention, maybe somebody just like kind of caught you off guard. But you're like, oh shit, this person's here. This person can do this awesome thing that I was not aware of. Well, so I had kind of watched it and I saw people could do awesome things. So I wasn't really surprised by anybody being awesome. I like people who are fun. I love being surprised that people are fun. Right? Okay. I came in I came into the locker room. You're a shithead in the locker room too, what aren't you? What do you mean? I think you're a shithead. What do you mean? You're like a you're like a river, you're like kind of fucking with people all the time. I uh, know I'm not fucking with people. I do. I came in I came in and everybody was on their phones in the locker room. That's <laughs> not that's not what I want. Okay. I in the last three years of my career, I don't want to spend in a locker room with a bunch of young guys looking at their phones like this. So, you know, we start conversations about flaccid penises. And, you oh, know, we don't like, love that. Nobody a, loves that. We talk about flaccid penises asexually. <laughs> we are not talking about anything that would be considered perverted or anything like that. Okay. And it's just it's amongst just the medical. boys. It's the boys. Okay. Talking about flaccid penises. It sounds like a blast. It, it is a blast. It sounds like a really great time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What else is next for you? When you think about the other side of wrestling, there was a point in time, did you actually go back to school or you were thinking about going, like an agriculture I got, I thing, actually, right? Yeah, I, well, so I had signed up for a permaculture design class that was, I mean, that's only two weeks. but oh, okay. um, But then, no, I got accepted into ASU and actually got a scholarship. Oh, shit. Because of my previous grades at Grace Harbor Community College, where I have... Shout out. I, I, uh, I almost have an associate's degree with... with Anybody with an associate's degree know that you can't do much with an associate's degree. But I ha- I'm five credits away, and the five credits I'm missing is in health and physical education. Great. Well, can't you, like, speed read your way through that? <laughs> I mean, uh, back in 2005, when I was close to competing, the online courses didn't have health and, uh, the, you know, those ones. So I would have had to physically be there, and I couldn't, couldn't no do it. Do. But, yeah, but I got a scholarship to uh, ASU in the environmental science program. But then I couldn't do it because then they brought me in as the GM, which also made mm. me... When we're talking about that period of talking smack where I was a little cantankerous. Cantankerous. That's a Vince word <laughs> if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Is it? I, I like to think it's my word. When you were GM, because I would often have to start the show without you. Yeah. And wait for you to just come flying in like a bat out of hell, get mic'd up and jump on there real quick. Yeah. We did it. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip. John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. So I think we can do a QA. and a Do you want to oh. do a Q&A with everybody? Nobody wants that. I think they do. Do you guys want to do a little Q&A? You got some questions for, for Brian? Do we, I think we have a mic somewhere too. Hello. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Good. Yes. I was wondering um, your time in Ring of Honor when you were in the Indies. What, uh, what did you learn the most there that, uh, that you're using when you got to the main main stage being on the independence in general just teaches you to be very adaptable to be able to show up to a building actually the first time i ever wrestled john um uh my flight got delayed out of seattle i uh i changed in the car on the drive from the airport to the building 
Walked in, had never met John. Walked in straight to the ring, did my entrance from the car to the ring, wrestled this man I'd never wrestled before, and then, uh, and then yeah. I have a quick follow-up to that. What okay. was it like when you meet John for the first time? Because he kind of keeps to himself so much. You kind of do your own thing. Did you guys get on right away? We didn't really have a chance to talk. Yeah. It was like we did the match. I was like, hey, wow, this guy's great. And then I go to the back. I see Tracy Smothers. He's, he's, he tells me, oh, man, look, I got, uh, I got all these NASCAR shirts. I bought them for a dollar a piece. I'm selling them for five. I said, oh, that's great. How many have you sold, Tracy? None. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, uh, so, uh, but yeah, but learning, uh, so I didn't get a chance to talk okay. much to John afterwards. So, um, so I, didn't, I didn't get to experience his unique personality. It's built upon. Yeah, I but, actually heard you in an interview the other day saying that you think John's one of the funniest people. Oh, he's so Shout out funny. to Robbie Fox, by the way. It was on with Barstool that you yeah, did that interview. Yeah, he, I, think you're, I think your husband is so funny. <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> he's all right. He's got his moments. I will say he's very quick with a dad joke, much like Claudio. Yeah, he yeah. like writes them off the top of his head. Yeah, but when it comes to like what I learned from Ring of Honor, I think they just gave me uh, a platform to try new things. And I think trying new things is how you learn to be a better wrestler. I think by, so if you're told like, hey, this is the formula, stick to the formula. Anytime things go wrong or that you don't do the formula, I think that's harder to adapt to. So I think the ability to, to do a 76 minute match or to, you know, wrestle people that I, you know, I'd never even heard of, let alone knew what they did. I think that was a, a real blessing. Hey guys, uh, Brian, after WrestleMania 30, a lot of the fans were we're kind of clamoring for you and CM Punk at WrestleMania 31. Uh, now that you know that didn't happen, now that you guys are both together in AEW and you're basically two of their you know biggest stars, is there a chance you guys might work a, a program at some point? I think there's probably always a chance. For some reason, when I, when I signed with WWE and then I started to get kind of into that upper tier of spots. I just thought like, oh man, it's inevitable for me and Punk. It just seems like it should happen. And it just never did. So it just seems like that thing, that thing that needs to happen, you know? So, so I, I think it would be a lot of fun. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to meet you in person, sir. Um, my question is, as a ignorant fan with zero wrestling experience, when I analyze you know, a, a worker's work rate, I look at psychology, performance, technique and based on the collective opinion of wrestlers how easy they are to work with but that's me i think you have all those things and more so when you look at another wrestler from your very experienced perspective what do you look for so part of it is there's so many things going on um i think there's so many things to learn in wrestling that you can improve on and you can constantly that's one of the things that i love about it there's never-ending scope of improvement, right? Um, whether it's connecting with the crowd, whether it's your technique, like, I love things like hammer locks and... We love but, a hammer lock. Yeah, I love hammer locks, but I don't think everybody needs to know everything I know about hammer locks to be a successful wrestler. But if they wanted to learn it, that'd be great. Whether you could use any of it for any extended period of time. But I think when you look for... Like, I guess I'm just looking, when I look and I watch, I just kind of want to see magic. Something magic about somebody special. So, for, like, what is special about you? And I think everybody has something special that they can tap into, right? So it's like, when you watch Dante Martin and I see him do a sunset flip 
like I've never seen it. Like a sunset flip is a basic wrestling move that like you've never seen it. Like I haven't seen anybody win with a sunset flip in years. But you see Dante Martin do a sunset flip and you go like, whoa, dude, that's fucking awesome, yeah. right? You just did a fucking awesome just regular sunset flip. <laughs> so when I watch things like that, especially like after a match, they'll say, oh, what do you think I could get better on? As I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, they could get better on these certain things. But what I'd really like them to do is enjoy wrestling while they're out there. Because I think the more that you enjoy it, the more you're going to... There's certain technical things you can work on before. But if you work on going out there and feeling that moment and enjoying the experience, you're going to be a better performer. And then you're just going to get better all around. So... Yeah, there's just so many things. There's so many aspects to wrestling that you can get better at and stuff. It's I hate criticizing anybody for for like minor things that you could anything that you could point to be like, oh well, this guy's got he's not a very good wrestler or his technique sucks. You could point to a lot of people who have made millions of dollars being horrible wrestlers. Sorry if that's not a very helpful answer. <laughs> no, that was great. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm curious. Back in 2015, the whole Royal Rumble situation. Did you kind of know going in that the fans would lead like a revolt that you would after you got eliminated pretty quickly? And I'm curious, like, did you feel like any sort of hostility backstage just from the the social media pressure because you got eliminated so quickly um, when you really should have won it? But I knew, and especially um, I had just come back from neck surgery. I, when they told me what I was doing in the Royal Rumble in 2015 and I was only going to be in there for like four or five minutes, I told them, I said, I think this is a bad idea. This isn't necessarily great for Roman. And they kind of ignored that and then it wasn't and then stuff happened and yeah, that was that. But uh, all of that to say, I think Roman's done such a great job and now he's, he's the biggest, you know, like he's yeah. the biggest star in wrestling. And I, and I think he's performed at a high level for such a long time that, you know, it's, uh, he's done a really good job. Hi. I showed up a little bit late to class, so I apologize if I missed this when it was covered. But uh, you talked earlier about uh, speed reading, and that's something that's always kind of fascinated me. How do you balance reading speed with reading comprehension? So the idea is a lot of speed reading, because I've been interested in speed reading for a long time, and a lot of speed reading is just skimming, right? And I never found that interesting. I am not interested in skimming. I want to, I'd rather go deeper than, than just have a vague understanding of a lot of different things. So that said is we kind of stop learning how to read better in third or fourth grade. We start off reading by reading sounds, by going letter to letter. And then we go from that to reading word to word. And then we also do a thing called subvocalization, where we say the words in our head to understand them. One, you can read groups of words at the same time. A very, a very good example of that is if you see the words New York City, your brain is just going to say New York City and to know exactly what it is, even though it's three words. You can do that with more words than just three. You can get that up to five words, six words, where you're seeing these words and you're seeing groups of words. And then when you get faster, like you can only talk around 600 words per minute. And even then it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to talk like this. It's going to be jumbled. You don't want to sub-vocalize, right? So it's when you see a stop sign, you don't say stop in your head. You just see the sign and you stop. 
And that's the same thing with stopping the subvocalization. One of the easiest ways to stop subvocalizing as you read is to actually purposefully count in your head while you're reading. What? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're subvocalizing letters in your brain so that you're not subvocalizing the words. Though it's difficult at first, you start being able to do it better. There's reading skills, and they stop improving our reading skills at a certain age. And especially now, if you're keeping up with anything, you realize that technology is changing every aspect of society so quickly that most of us will not be able to keep the same jobs for extended periods of time. One of the best things that you can do for yourself from a job perspective is learning how to learn. And one of the best ways to learn to learn is to be able to read faster and read information more quickly. I think being able to read better and the skills of reading better, I think are, are just something a, a lot of people should learn and they should be teaching that in as much as high school. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, so that's a, a quick rundown without getting too exhaustive for the people who have no interest in speed reading. <laughs> you really make me want to like, revise my hobbies. In working on my own depression and mental health issues and all that kind of stuff, I've tried to kind of identify these things that society puts forth to us that tells us are important and they might not actually be important and that we're just doing it because that's what we've been told is important for so long and then really revitalizing what makes you happy and what really makes a life worth living, mm -hmm. you know? I think that's... Oh, God. I'm going to die. What? I mean, all of us. I mean, we're yeah, all, we all, we're all, we're all going to die. I try to think about it every day to make me live better, right? Just yeah. this idea that I may never see you again. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. after this, something may happen. Uh, JJ, my brother-in-law, was in an Uber through no fault of his own or through no fault of the Ubers. He was rear-ended at 50 miles an hour, Shh. got a concussion, and had to go to the hospital. That just recently? Just a couple weeks ago. Oh, and so before modern medicine... People were very aware that you could die at any time. Even with modern medicine, we can die at any time. And the last thing that, like my dad died unexpectedly at 57. Like we were worried about his wife because she had pneumonia and all that kind of stuff. He didn't come to our wedding because his wife was in the hospital. We were worried about her. Then he died two weeks after our wedding from a surprise heart attack. Wow. And there's just this idea of you don't know when your last day is like and it could be today or it could be in 40 years mm -hmm. but not living that way irresponsibly like oh, i'm not going to pay my taxes because i could die tomorrow i think that's, that's right. a bad idea and i don't but when i see you or i see zach yeah. back there this might be the last time i see you so like be with you don't yeah. be on my phone and yeah. don't be like half listening to you and that sort of thing this may be the last time i get to experience being in front of like you guys, from my perspective, you guys made my career. The people in this room, the fans, just if it weren't for you guys, a lot of people say this, oh, if you guys didn't buy a ticket, I wouldn't have a job or whatever it is. But realistically, if you guys hadn't stood up for me in a way that I wasn't, that I would have never stood up for myself as far as like, God damn it, give me the main event of WrestleMania. I would have never said that. You guys did that for me. And... And if this is the last time I see you guys, I want 
you guys to know that I appreciated that. I don't want to take it for granted that like, ah, uh, I'll do another signing or I'll do another thing or yeah. whatever it is. Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, God. Uh. And I, I'm truly appreciative of everything that you guys have given me and made my life better for you guys being in it. Sorry, I went down a long, long winding road. I mean, if there's ever been a great way to wrap something up, that was it. That was, it was, I mean, it's really, it's a beautiful mindset. And I we're, think all gonna we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Buckle we're up, all going to die. It's been great seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> no, legitimately, thank you guys all so much for coming out. A big thank you to Brian for finally getting you here on the show because you didn't respond to my text, um, but we got to do it here. Do you here. know why I didn't respond to your text? Because I was paying attention to somebody else that I was in the moment mm, with at enough. the time. Fair enough, fair enough. Guys, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Thank you guys for hanging out uh, and checking out this episode. And thank you to StarCast um, for helping us out with everything over this weekend and setting up this awesome event to make this interview come together and come to fruition. Um, It was so much fun. It was just like so great to see Brian and get to hang out. And like I said at the beginning, Obviously, he's somebody that I've really wanted to have on here for some time. So really cool that we can make that happen. And you guys got to finally hear it. Hopefully you guys uh, dug it as much as I did. All right, guys, I'm out of here. This has been The Sessions. 